The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Whenever this particular gospel comes up, I can hear my mother's voice in my head. And she's, she comments about that first, that first section, and she, she does it in a sarcastic and, and somewhat humorous way when it says, you know, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. And her response is, well, I feel like my cheeks are raw. And that's normally the response I get, because everyone's like, I don't get it. And I don't get it either, but that's what she says. So, moving on. As a reminder, this whole section is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, that's the bigger reality. So we're just still at the very, very beginning on the Sermon on the Mount. We've had the Beatitudes, we've had the lights and the salt, we've had the first four antithesis, and now the final two antithesis, which is... You've heard it said, but I say to you, this is where Jesus is declaring his authority, connecting the Old Testament covenant to the New Testament. So that's where we're at right now. And in these two antitheses are, are probably common struggles that we have, right? The idea of like, I want justice, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus is telling us, he's imploring us, it's not just about seeking justice for the sake of justice. Sometimes justice means I'm not going to get what I want. So turning the other cheek, handing over the tunic, going the extra mile is this surrender and sacrifice that he wants us to enter into when we have difficulties. And then the, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And it it should, in our own minds, create a question, possibly. And the question is, do my prayers have conditions? Do my prayers have limits? Do I, do I say, I'll pray for you unless? I'll pray for you but? I'll pray for you until? What we discover in this is that Jesus is trying to remind us Love, which is at the heart of what we do, charity, 
should be the driving force for our actions, our mentality, and his love that he wants to give to us, which is the love we are called to share with others, is unconditional. It has no limits. It has no conditions. It is love just to be poured out for the sake that it is, it's there. And so that it, it does. It makes me think about myself like, do I pray for people unless, until, except? Because Jesus is telling us you should have no conditions in prayer. We should pray for all, even the ones that have hurt us the deepest. And now there is a, another caveat to this. We love totally doesn't mean we have to like Right? I don't have to like every single person in the world, but I love them because they exist. At the same time, I love people, but I don't have to tolerate negative, bad behavior. I can call people up out of this behavior. I can call them to be pushed to be better. So when Jesus ends the gospel by saying, be perfect, just as your Heavenly Father is perfect, we have to take this to heart. This is not another hyperbole. This is not another recommendation. This is do it. Don't try. Do. You might argue, say, well, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working on getting better. No. When we try, we leave ourselves open for the excuse to not complete something. I'm trying, but no. Do it. Be. And that's not easy. And we, we, we will fail. Let's just acknowledge that right now. We will fail at being perfect. But it doesn't mean we don't strive to be perfect. It doesn't mean we don't offer being perfect. It doesn't mean we don't continually every day get up and do it. Because it's not just enough to be good. It's not enough to just try something and when it gets a little hard we kind of say eh, okay I'll quit we have to go all in which is why I'm so excited that Lent is coming because we get to die and everyone's like that's really morbid father but it's true death is inevitable like it's going to come I've not met an immortal person have you Unless you met Jesus incarnate, but no. So mortality is real. We will die. And Lent allows us to contemplate this mystery. Lent prepares us to die well so that we can live well. On uh, this past Wednesday, we, we had our, our final uh, adult formation preparing for Lent. And we're making our preparations and writing out our plans. And, and we watched this video on, on the spirituality of Lent. And, and the speaker, he, he spoke about the, um, the five temptations people will face when they're nearing real death. And it's, it's from a book, I forget the Latin, but it's um, The Art of Dying Well. It's a beautiful book. What Lent does for us is it, it forces us to prepare for this reality. We sometimes have to remember what we're aiming for in Lent. So the end goal is the resurrection. The end goal is Triduum, that, that final part of Jesus' life and passion. So we prepare for this 
by offering things, by sacrificing, by saying no to stuff, or by saying yes to stuff. Part of that preparation requires that we repent, that we turn back to him, that we go to him seeking forgiveness so that we remember exactly where it is we have come from, that we have come from him, that we have come out of him. And so in doing all of this, we create a space for him to enter. Of all the things that I did not like about COVID, there was one positive I choose to highlight, which was Ash Wednesday when we use the European tradition of spreading ashes. I, I love Ash Wednesday because you get all the ashes in your forehead. I think it's a beautiful outward symbolic reminder like, yes, I'm a Christian, come at me, bro. Because you get all the different types of ashes. You know, you get pastor's revenge, you get the smudge, you get the Tau cross, you get all sorts of stuff, right? It's awesome. But everyone knows who and what you are. During COVID, we didn't have that, but we took the ashes and we sprinkled it on our heads as a reminder that we will die. We will be buried, right? Like, like that's the reality. And so there's two responses that we can hear. We can either hear, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return, okay? Or the one that I will most likely use because I think there's uh, power in it. Repent! And believe in the gospel. Because that's what we're called to do. Turn back. In the, in the reflection on those five temptations that he brought up, again, preparing for Lent, making space, these are the temptations. There's doubt, despair, impatience, vainglory, and avarice. So as, as a person is actually nearing the end of life, right, they, they can go through these, these temptations. They can doubt just God. God, are you real? Do you care about me? There can be despair. Why me? Woe is me. I'm doomed. Blah, blah, blah. There can be impatience. Like, we just, a person just does, is able to do less. They're, they're frustrated by the inefficiency of things. The vain glory, this presumption, like, I want to be remembered. I want to be known. I want my name to mean something. And then avarice, which is uh, the seeking to claim to things, the seeking to, like, hold on to material stuff. Well, all of those temptations have a counter-virtue, of course. So the counteraction to doubt is faith. The counteraction to despair is hope. The counteraction to impatience is charity. So right there we get the theological virtues, faith, hope, love. The counteraction to vainglory is humility. And the counteraction to avarice is generosity. So to allow ourselves to be humbled and then to give ourselves away, to give stuff away even. So, of course, this intrigued my mind. I thought, how cool would it be to do a Lenten series on this? So I looked at all five of the Gospels for all five Sundays of Lent. And guess what? It works perfectly. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. The first Sunday of Lent, we hear about Jesus' own temptation right? The very thing about doubt. Second, we hear about Jesus' transfiguration. So when we despair, there's this hope of the reality of what's going to come. And the third, we hear about the Samaritan woman, this reality that she is secluded, she's ostracized, she is put out. Like there's this level of impatience and Jesus just loves on her. 
Fourth Sunday of Lent, we get the man born blind where the parents refuse to acknowledge him as their own child because God forbid that they be the ones that caused him to be blind, blah, blah, blah. So that vainglory, that presumption that I want to be this way actually comes in humility. And the fifth is the resurrection of Lazarus. Mary and Martha had to surrender their brother, that love they had for him. They had to give him away. And so we will face these temptations, whether it is in a physical, mortal, dying, or in a spiritual death. There will be times where we are tempted to doubt, despair, be impatient, seek uh, personal glory, or cling to the things of the world. And brothers and sisters, these virtues are going to help us die to ourselves, to retain faith, hope, charity, humility, and generosity. So as we go through Lent, as we prepare to make this, this, this new season, we do repent. We turn back to the gospel. We remember who we have come from, where we are going. We make space for God to do the work. The reality is this. People, when they start to create Lenten goals, they either do way too much or they don't stretch enough. And so it's a very simple reality. Take one thing out, add one thing in. If, and I've said this before, if you need coffee to not be a terrible human being, don't give up coffee. Becoming an awful person in Lent does not help other, other people. However, giving up chocolate just for the sake of it when you don't need a lot of chocolate, probably not good enough. So we have to stretch ourselves in a sense of like, what do I want to remove? What are the things that are difficult? Maybe, maybe I need to cut down on social media. Maybe I need to... Uh, turn away from all of the media and the news if that's something that sucks me in. Maybe I need to stop hitting the snooze button every morning. Maybe I want to add more prayer time. Maybe I want to go to adoration on Fridays of Lent that has mass in the Stations of the Cross to follow. <clears throat> Whatever it is, write it out, share it with someone, have some accountability, and then do it. And if you screw up on Thursday, Start again on Friday. You screw up on Saturday, start again on Sunday. Lent is a long path. We get to die for a long time. And it's awesome. Because that good death leads to good life. We are following in the footsteps of Jesus. The first part of his, his ministry was 40 days out in the desert. That's how we begin. We end with the ultimate sacrifice, the love, surrendering himself for us. So what can we give up? What can we surrender? What can we do better so that we can be perfect as our Father is perfect? So that's going to be our goal. We're going to kind of do that. So if you, uh, if you miss a Sunday, which you should not, you'll be able to listen to them. No big deal. But... I recommend and implore and ask, bring people, bring new people, let them hear this. Like, this is going to be awesome. Doubt is defeated by faith, despair defeated by hope, impatience defeated by charity, vainglory defeated by humility, avarice defeated by generosity. God always wins. So we need to die well so that we can live well.